0: And welcome back to the Cheese Cheesesteaks in the 700-level podcast. My name is Dylan Cow crowley He's Austin Mancini. If you're a first-time listener to the show, welcome. If you're just coming back to the show again, well, I had to question your insanity for listening to us, but thank you for returning. Uh, Austin, coming off Super Bowl 55 just yesterday. We'll get into that very quickly here. Got some Sixers and Flyers to talk about. Obviously, in Philadelphia, the big news right now, is Carson Wentz impending trade. Uh, Will it happen? I I think we can agree it's probably going to happen at this point. Uh, But at this point, it's just a waiting game to see when it does. Um, We're recording this Monday night. So if I had to guess, he's going to get traded tomorrow just to screw with us, and we'll have to record again tomorrow. But as of 8.30 on Monday night, Carson Wentz is still an eagle. Um, I guess before we get into our main subjects, any thoughts on the Carson Wentz situation before we move on? We're gonna obviously talk about Carson Wentz and the trade when it happens, but any quick thoughts on it now? I I mean,
1: I don't wanna see him go. I I look at it and go, This guy honestly, like what's the worst case scenario when it comes to let's say if it were hurt him or Jalen, like he's not gonna be any worse than Jalen. So when it comes to winning games aspect, you know, it it would have been there's almost a net zero for keeping him. But yeah. obviously he doesn't want to be here. He just doesn't. And I know there was a report today, I don't know if it's true, you know, he apparently has been talking to Jeffrey Lurie, he talked to Doug, but he wasn't talking to Howie, which I mean we did know that no like the obvious thing is Howie's the common denominator. But yeah, we've said this multiple times, you know, how we both think Howie's the problem. I just at this point it it was inevitable. And uh I I wish him luck. I do. I I have nothing against him.
0: Yeah, I don't have uh ill will per se against Carson. It's just I do think it's time to part just because of everything that's happened, but we'll see what happens, obviously. It's going to go down sooner than later. And we'll be here to talk about it when that does happen. Um, also, before we get into our main subjects, it's worth noting that today was truck day for the Phillies, and that spring training is just, I think, 10 days away uh, from Monday and nine days away from when this podcast goes up. So that's exciting uh, for that to be happening. And we'll be talking uh, Phillies, I think, next week, probably quite a bit. Uh, but into our main subject. Last night Super Bowl 55. Uh Tampa Bay takes down Kansas City 31-9. Uh, Tom Brady, of course, wins his seventh Super Bowl and fifth uh MVP. Um, I have more on Brady in a second. It's gonna segue into uh our sixers topic, actually, too. Uh, so for those listeners at home, you could start thinking about how that's gonna work, but uh the first thing I really want to talk about, uh, Austin, is one, this was very boring Super Bowl for the most part, completely one-sided. Uh, and I think part of that is uh, we saw the Andy Reid we knew in Philadelphia uh, just really poor play, calling in a big game, poor time management. The Chiefs were off balance early offensively. Uh, Patrick Mahomes started, slow and they never really got it going. Uh, but... Uh, Any thoughts on the game overall before we get to Kansas City, I
1: guess? I mean, I just, like you said, to me, it was boring. I mean, I know Tom, not Tom Brady, the Tampa Bay kind of just destroyed Kansas City. I do think a lot of it had to do with, one, Mahomes, clearly something was wrong. You know, he was limping all game. And two – I think having the two starting tackles out really hurt them. And Yeah, that
0: offensive line was. Yeah, so hard.
1: I mean, he he kind of looked like, you know, a deer in headlights and uh I mean, both teams got to play the game regardless. And the other like you said play calling.
0: To me it seemed like they were tr- just trying to go deep every play. Yeah, and it, it wasn't working at all I mean credit to Todd I mean if somebody really If a coach could win MVP Todd Bowles should have won MVP last yeah, and I, his and That was amazing And I know Tom Brady
1: threw three touchdowns But he didn't even have the best game
0: No it was And I was going to go into this a little earlier Tom Brady didn't need to play For what this game turned out to be Tom Brady didn't need to play a, a huge Role in the victory he needed to be efficient and not turn the ball over, and that's what he did, uh, 21 for 29, 201 and three touchdowns. Is it MVP numbers? Not really, but they gave him the MVP because three touchdowns, but also it's his seventh Super Bowl at this point. I mean, at Man. the same time, though, Gronk arguably deserved it more. Oh, I think Gronk definitely deserved it. I think if Gronk uh, in the second half there, that big play he got, uh, I think the Buccaneers' first drive after the half, and he got a shoelace tackle almost. If he broke that for another touchdown, that would have put him under over 100 yards and would have given him three touchdowns. There's no way they would have taken him, taken the MVP away from him there. Uh, And everything I think with this is by the first 10 minutes, not even five minutes of the third quarter there, this game was pretty much over, and Tampa Bay just, Kind of run the ball from there, or go short passes, not really have to force anything downfield. Yeah, I mean, it, like you said, I mean, Chris Godwin only had
1: what, like two catches or something. Like they, yeah. once that second half game, like you said, it, it was kind of already dictated. And yep. it, it, like they almost kind of laid down. And I mean, the yeah, only just one to sleep. Yeah, like Patrick Mahomes was trying to do all he could. Travis Kelsey looked like he was trying to do all he could, but I mean, like you said, give it to give the credit to where it's due. Todd Bowles especially deserves all the credit in the world. I mean he played two safeties high and then just got after Mahomes and and I mean, that's how
0: you beat Brady too, yeah, no yeah, exactly uh yeah, Todd Bowles called him masterful game all all night. It was it was truly amazing. He took advantage of that Kansas City defense I mean offensive line that had uh, from at least the start of the season, everybody on there was a backup offensive lineman, I think I read. Uh, which doesn't surprise you with the struggles they had, but I mean Mahomes dropped back fifty sometimes, fifty eight times or so. And he he was pressured on fifty-two percent of those dropbacks or passing plays. That's an incredible number when you consider it. Um, that being said, before we get into Brady here a little bit more, those two Mahomes throws under pressure, laying the game there, may to be the two greatest incompletions I've ever seen in football history. Yeah, the one, the one
1: totally reminded me of the uh, Carson against the Seahawks. That was yeah. completed to Aglore. Like th- the only difference was Mahomes was falling more sideways and threw a more sidearm, but the, yeah. the, it looked to me identical throws. And I mean, and they shouldn't have even been incompletions. They literally hit the guys in the face both times.
0: Yeah the the first one where he was uh, running back towards the sideline, the left sideline, I guess it would have been, and uh, he uh. He threw a dime to the corner of the end. There was no other quarterback on the planet who could do what he did there and throw a dime right to the corner of the end zone and give his guy a chance to make the catch. And then the second one, the fact that he was almost actually perpendicular to the ground was, I mean, there's just nobody else who can make that throw with the accuracy. No. And the, it was a dart. You know what it was? Um, it,
1: it was a short stop throw. You know, like I know he almost went and played baseball, but that's yeah, what it looked like was it, one of those like it was. you know, you're running towards third and you throw it sidearm. Like that's exactly what it looked like.
0: I 100% agree. But also I, I think it should be worth knowing that Mahomes uh did start this game pretty slow. I mean, I think they were 4 for 11 in the game uh, to start and uh, once he started slow, I thought the Chiefs were in big trouble because they just kept giving the ball back to the Bucks and Brady really fast. And you can't give Brady that many chances. He's going to take advantage.
1: No, you can't. And, I mean, it's weird, especially seeing a team like the Chiefs, you know, who had just, you know, it's not like it was their first Super Bowl. You know, they had been there they had done that. So I think yep. – I think it was a little weird to see, but I mean, Tom Brady apparently had the confidence all week that they were going to win it and you could tell, uh, stuff was bothering them. But, um,
0: yeah, at the end I, of the
1: day though, like, cause I know Brady, you know, Brady is, I mean, at this point you have to, I told yeah, you, I give you a 24 hour buffer, but I mean, at this point you have to give it to Brady that he's, he's the GOAT. But do you think Mahomes has a shot at, at taking that
0: crown? Sure, ground? sure. So uh, let me start off with Brady. Yeah, Brady. Uh, love him, hate him. Somewhere in the middle. At this point, he is the greatest. Not just quarterback of all time. He is the greatest football player who ever lived. And I'm not saying the most talented. The most talented player to ever live may be the quarterback that was on the other sideline. But in terms of Everything Tom Brady is now by far the greatest football player to ever live.
1: He is the—I don't know if you I see, football player because
0: I, I, he's football
1: the, player would have to include talent and you know if like if you look at like a guy like Bo Jackson, sure you know sure. like Bo Jackson, pure talent and athleticism is better than Brady.
0: Sure, sure. But Brady also has the statistics that sure. nobody else has, which is why I give it to Brady. And I, I mean, at the end of the day, you could argue greatest football player of all time. For me, he's the greatest football player of all time at this point. He's definitely the greatest quarterback. You could say Montana was more clutch because Montana never lost a Super Bowl. But Montana didn't play intense Super Bowls either. You're gonna lose some and he didn't play 10. Nick Foles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or Eli Manning. Come on now. Uh no, but uh the other thing with Brady is, uh, the way I look at it, I tweet this, is of the four major North American sports, if there was a more Rushmore, four guys in the four sports, it, it's Gretzky, it's uh, Brady, it's Jordan, and it's Babe Ruth or Hank Aaron, whichever one you want to put up there. I can see arguments for both. But either way, Brady is by far the go now. Now it's a Mahomes. Can Mahomes ever reach that point? I think statistically, yes. I think Mahomes could possibly become the greatest statistical quarterback who ever lived because he has the pure talent to do it. He has – if he plays for another 15 to 18 years at the current pace he has, he'll be on pace to do it. But to become the greatest quarterback all the time, I think he now needs to win seven or eight Super Bowls. And I just don't think we may ever see another quarterback in the NFL win seven or eight super bowls again no and and
1: you really won't i mean you look at look at even aaron Rodgers, right we talk about he's a better quarterback than brady when it comes to mobility arm strength this and that but i mean look at look at what he's done in the nfc championship he has one super bowl ring yeah and and we're talking yeah. about Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, one Super Bowl ring, Peyton Manning, one, two Super Bowl rings, yeah, like, two Super Bowls, yeah, like the, it's just it's that hard to do, and Brady honestly somehow makes it that easy.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing; he makes the game look effortless at times, um, and it, it is. And I think after the Eagles beat him, there's like a a um, kind of a an exorcism for me in terms of my hatred for Tom Brady. Nope. I never I never really hated Tom Brady per se. I never liked him. Uh but after we beat him it's like, okay, we got our Super Bowl, we beat him. I'm not going to root for you, but I'm not I I felt like after that point as long as the Eagles didn't play him again, I could sit back and not enjoy him, but just enjoy the fact that I am witnessing one of the greatest players in NFL history.
1: I I can't do it. I just don't like him. And, and it's the same with, I, like, I, I liked LaShawn McCoy, like, when he was here. But then all the, like, with McCoy specifically, like, the off-the-field stuff, I just... You know, my friends are like, oh, my God, he look, he, he's he got two rings. And I'm like, he didn't touch the field. Like, yes, he was on the yeah. team, but what he didn't can, like, especially this year, he had 10 snaps, you know, and all yeah. year. Yeah, And they're like, yeah, but he's a Super Bowl champion. He's on the team. Okay. The practice squad members get a ring too.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I definitely get it. I mean. The only player I think I'm not at that point with is Crosby. Because, I mean, if we're being honest, Cros- Sidney Crosby is one of the top 10 hockey players to ever live. Yeah. But I I can never sit there and enjoy watching him play. Uh, last night especially, I kind of just enjoyed the fact that we were witnessing the goad versus the most talented quarterback to ever live. Because I do think Patrick Mahomes is the most talented and gift a quarterback to ever live. Um, but yeah. So uh, at this point, Brady's to go. Mahomes is going to have a lot of work. If Mahomes won last night, two to six, you could see that happening, especially where Mahomes would be. But now Mahomes needs to win seven more. That's asking a lot. Uh, so we'll see if that happens. But talking about greatness, which both Mahomes and Brady are. Um, Let's transition to somebody who else who is exhibiting greatness right now, and that is Joe Embiid. Uh, first, I guess toward known, 76ers right now are one of the best teams in the NBA, record-wise. I think they're third in the NBA record, uh, only behind the Jazz and the Lakers. They're number one in the East, um, and they, they've won – Eight of the last ten, five of the last six, I think. They had one uh, flunker against the Pistons last week. But outside of that, they've been stellar. But Joe Embiid is the main topic here. Uh, Last six games, he's averaging 33.6 points, 9.3 rebounds, two assists. Uh, For the season, he's averaging 29.3 points, 10.7 rebounds, and 2.7 assists. We are witnessing the most dominating stretch of Sixers basketball by one player since Allen Iverson in 2001. Yeah, I mean, Michael Carter
1: Williams gave you that like little glimmer, and then we traded him, which was probably the greatest thing we could have done. But, um, I mean, look, this is the Joel like that everyone's been waiting for. It's just, it just is. He's dominating on in every aspect of the game. I mean, you saw him. You know, in the clutch, the dude is doing everything you asked for. And he's almost to an extent making up for... I know Ben in the last couple has, has kind of picked it up. But, you know, when in, when Ben was playing, I not poorly, but just not to where our expectations were, he stepped up. And like you said, the last person really you saw do that was with the Sixers was Allen Iverson when i mean i know he had Kembe Matumbo but it wasn't a young the Kemba Matumbo you know like no, he no. didn't have any pieces around him now you're seeing Joel do
0: it with pieces around him and yeah ai completely carried that 2001 team 100% that wasn't a that wasn't the 7 Sixers versus the Lakers in the finals that right. was A.I. versus the Lakers in the Finals.
1: Now, do you think – is this is this time – is it time for us to accept that this is the new Joel? Or do you think, you know, eventually he's going to cool off at some point, whether – not necessarily, you know, drop from 33 to – The teens. Yeah, to the teens. But do you think you're – like sooner or later we're going to see a – instead of 33, you're going to see 28 points – you know, like, closer yeah. to the average that he's...
0: Yeah, uh, probably. This. Probably. I don't know if it'll be for a long period of time, but I could see him for five, six games, maybe even ten, dropping down to where we've known him to be. But uh, I, I, I don't want to say... I, I don't want to believe... I do want to believe, but I can't make myself believe just yet that this is Joe Embiid going forward, just because this is just such a ridiculously high level. Because, I mean, we're talking about him being, right now, probably the best player performance-wise in the NBA. Yeah, at this current Just stretch. this season. Right. Just at this current stretch. Overall, no. Overall, it's there's still Giannis, Luca, LeBron, whoever else you want to put up there, Kawhi. Uh, but right now, he's the best player in the NBA. This is also, I think, the most dominant. Stra- we'll get into this in a second. The most dominating stretch we've seen out of Philadelphia athlete in quite some time. But yeah, I want to believe it is, but I, I'm just I need to see him do it for at least half a season for me to believe. Because I mean, if he has any type of slowdown, he's not winning the MVP. No, and for me too, I think part of it is.
1: I, I want to see him do it with him playing back-to-backs too. I know. I think there was one game that was a back-to-back that he, I believe they rested him, not in the last six, but like lately, you know, and I'd love to mm-hmm. see, like, show me he's healthy and that you don't have to, you know, say back tightness for a game. Yep. You know, I, everyone, especially because that's just how it is even in the playoffs, you know some games are back to back sometimes like i you need to see it out of him because otherwise it's oh see he can't play back to backs and he's in the best shape of his life so uh, i think if i i'm not necessarily that I'll accept that I'm going to accept you know him to average 33 points a game but like like you said the 28 29 you know about the, his average for the season. I think he'll stay around that. And I mean, if he's going to do that, and you're still going to get the ten to or the fifteen to eighteen from Tobias, like he's been consistently doing, I mean, I'm I'm not going to be upset.
0: No, not at all, not at all. Um, and I think this going back to one of my points I was making, most dominating stretch we've seen out of Philadelphia, I think, quite some time. I mean. Or the last eight games. He's done things, like I said, six, eight games that we haven't seen since Allen Iverson. Only... If he can do this... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just
1: going to say, no, just the only other flash you've seen from, an, uh, from a Philly athlete is maybe Carter against Montreal.
0: Yeah. Uh, of That's what I said. Short, if, of That's what I said, maybe. Of a, Yeah, of, of a small game set like this, absolutely. Um Overall, um, if he could do this for an entire season, this would have to go up there with, I think, Roy Halladay in 2010. I mean, Cy Young, perfect game, no-hitter, was the most dominant pitcher that we've seen in the last 20 years for the Phillies. Brad Littich in 08? When you consider everything. You could put that up there. Yeah. <laughs> Good for hey, perfect save percentage. <laughs> uh, Ryan Howard in two thousand six, when he had fifty eight home runs and like one hundred forty RBIs, that that may be the single greatest season we've seen out of a a, a Philadelphia athlete in the last thirty years. Honestly, um, definitely in our lifetime. I mean, he had fifty eight home runs, one hundred forty nine RBIs that year. He hit three thirteen. Uh, it just went down from there though uh who else is there um uh, and then i i guess ai in 2001 there's no flyers player in there who had a overly dominant season
1: yeah uh, i mean jeff carter had a really good year 35 goals but nothing like nothing like 45 goals i don't
0: think no and drew, i know drew had that 100 point season but that wasn't like he lit up the lamp a bunch of times that's because he's just a playmaker. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- we're, we're, and then I guess Carson in 2017, maybe? Yeah, I mean, he was on pace. I know it wasn't
1: 40. He might have hit 40 touchdowns, honestly, that year if he didn't tear his ACL. But, no, oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, and he wasn't throwing interceptions. He was going to be over 4,000. Like, so, yeah, you could put that, like, that probably would have been before, you know, this stretch. That might have been it probably Carter that and this. Yeah. So moving forward, do you, you know, the trade deadline is a month away. Um, yep. getting close. Yeah. It's, it's getting relatively close. Do you see, do you think the Sixers need to make any moves or do you think, you know, they need to j- just let it play out and gel?
0: I'd like to find another, maybe a, an additional, I don't want to say six man, because shakes a pretty good. Six man. I'd like to find one more guy to come off the bench who you can uh, rely on to get you some point. like if they could find a way to bring back JJ. I wouldn't mind it. I just, I, I think you if you got like a a JJ or a, Be- a Bellinelli type player, like is and Bell- I'm not even saying Bellinelli. Is he even in the league anymore? I don't know, but I just
1: the my problem with JJ. Is there are better versions of that and I mean you look I know sure. Danny Green isn't like as consistent of a three point shooter as JJ is, but it evens out because Danny Green actually plays defense.
0: Sure. I I I, I, would, I would just like maybe another three point shooter who can come off the bench. Yeah, you know, I or think a decent shooter.
1: I think if I was if I was to upgrade anything, I'm totally fine at this point with just gelling and letting it happen. I don't think, I mean, unless you like, you know, D- Daryl Morey thinks we're going to push the um, chips in and go all in this season. I think he's waiting until next season to do that. But I mean, if you could upgrade Dana Green, like if you could get an upgraded version of him, that's what I would aim for. Sure. But as a yeah. whole, I think if you just gel it, you know, m- not Matisse. If Matisse shoots a little more, he, he's had a pretty decent stretch lately. Um Shake has been playing pretty well. So you have decent depth at this point. It's just I would like a better um
0: you know version of Danny Green. Yeah, I think if I if I had to say I want to upgrade one player, yeah, it'd be Danny Green. Um also I think a lot of it's going to depend on how uh, Curry starts to look here as we get closer to the deadline. Because since coming back from COVID, he has not been himself.
1: No, and and it's a shame because he was so hot.
0: He yeah, was he was so great.
1: Hot, and then all of a sudden this happens. So, I mean, there's not much, you know, anyone can really do about it. I mean, I feel I even feel bad for you know, like even Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant played half a game and then they pulled him out. Yeah. because of covid um, concerns which to me it, it's the covid protocols are just stupid then because he's already been in contact with players on the other team his own teammates like at that point what does it matter
0: yeah i agree uh it just brings up two points actually uh off top of covid uh the winner of the nets i don't want to be a debbie downer but I'm putting no stock in that victory. No. And, and it's the same with... Port- I they, mean, they- you could say the same ahead. thing. I was
1: just going to say, you could say the same thing that it's concerning then with Portland, too. You know, we lost to... It was Portland, I believe, sure. we lost to, and they didn't even have Dane.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that Portland loss is really bad on paper. It's going to look ugly all year. And there was no reason to lose that game, but J- the Men Nets didn't play, right? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, but the Nets game—I—I I, I can't put stock in a game against a Nets team that, when they don't have <laughs> two two of their three stars, is a <laughs> lottery team. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, so uh, seventeen and seven, first in the Atlantic, three and a half game lead over Brooklyn right now. They got Sacramento, Portland, Phoenix. Utah and Houston are in the next five. I mean, I think they I think four and one here's what they should be. Yeah, you should get a
1: better um trailblazers team. So if you could barely beat them or if you lose to them without Dame, I mean this game should should be closer than it was. Um, yeah. so if I'm gonna see them lose a game, I think it's the Trailblazers.
0: Yeah, I 100 agree. And or Michael uh,
1: Bridges has a revenge game because we traded him
0: for nothing. That still that still bothers me sorry. to this day. Sorry, sorry. Um, I
1: know, I know. I I just uh, breaks my heart, man. Uh,
0: yeah. I guess uh, any last thoughts on the Sixers? Uh, Embiid is second in MVP voting, so uh, if you want to, you should go out there and get some bets in on him. I've actually. I like to have an even number on my bank rolls and uh, sports on my sports books. So if I have like 80, 60 cents, uh-huh. I just keep throwing it down I do on the speed MVP odds yeah, and hope that it hits. See, I did that
1: with a, I had a parlay, I had 50 cents. It was like, I had $214 and 50 cents. I put 50 cents down on a 13 team parlay. I hit on 12 of the 13. Uh, and it was it was um, 50 cents to win 340. But we're not going to talk about that. You know what we are going to talk about, Dylan? We're going to talk about yeah. the most probably frustrating and confusing team in Philadelphia right now. Well, okay, maybe the Eagles are a little more frustrating. But we're going to go to the Philadelphia Flyers who – Since our last recording, they have won four of their last six. They've gotten points in five of their six. Um, But it seems as though Boston is our worst enemy at this point. We can't, we can't, I don't know what it is. They're the Seattle Seahawks of the NHL.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it uh, prior to the podcast, but the Flyers outside of uh, facing Boston this year, I think we said are eight one and one, uh, something like that. Yeah, they have five losses overall this year, whether it be in regulation or overtime. Four of those are to the Bruins. Uh, so no, they're eight and one. I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter. But they're they're, they're very good without facing the Bruins. Uh, the offense has been uh, j- frustrating as hell. They don't shoot, but they when they shoot, they score. We'll get more into that in a minute. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, this is a Jekyll and Hyde team in a single game. At one minute in a the game, they look like they're a team that is not even a playoff team, and then they can look like the be- one of the best teams in the NHL just a couple minutes later. It's been incredibly... Uh, Jekyll and Hyde season so far, frustrating season. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're still second in the uh, East division. They do have a two game uh, played advantage over Boston, who uh, is tied with them with 18 points. They've actually played the most games in the East, so that is worth noting. But at the end of the day, when they're, well, they're not playing the Bruins, which is going to be a problem when it comes to the playoffs, uh, they've been pretty damn good yeah and and like you
1: said i mean there's there's some things that are concerning and i mean there's things that i just i love i mean for example jvr and just the veterans i feel like in general have been out of their mind jvr has 10 points in his last 5 games I believe he started to get on this kind of hot streak last year, and then he got hurt. He, I believe, he broke his foot, and and then after that injury, he kind of just tapered off. But I mean, a guy like him, I mean, you you watch the game from uh, yesterday, being Sunday, he had a beautiful assist, and then he had a absolute snipe in the top right corner, and that was you know you kind of watch that game and you go, this is the JVR we were we were kind of yeah. looking for when we signed him.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. JVR has been absolutely fantastic here over uh, the season as a whole. I think we said uh, before the podcast as well, he's fourth in the NHL right now. I think in points at, with 18. Uh, nobody saw this coming out of JVR. We all wanted to go to Seattle on the expansion draft later this year. But at this point, uh. I don't think he's going to keep this up. Uh, you trade him. One, but yeah, I mean, it, his value is rising. So, I mean, do you use his value, his increased value to trade him to uh, Seattle instead of giving up somebody else? And, But I don't know. It's <laughs> I like it. I'm going to take it while we can, but it's not going to last. Yeah, he's gonna regress. Yeah, and that's why you,
1: you almost—it's almost like a—you kind of have to trade him. I mean, it, if you can get a top defenseman or something, you know, for him, sure, why not? but yeah, yeah. I know the I mean, cap hit. You know, his his contract's kind of disgusting, and no one really wants it. Kind of like Carson, but I mean, he's producing, and a team that's probably. Thinking they're one, you know, a guy like this away, maybe they pull the trigger.
0: No, yeah, exactly. I mean, I just, uh, he's, he's playing really well, but it's also a major, well, I, I don't understand how he's all suddenly this playing at this high of a level, but I mean. Yeah, I would trade him if they got it, were able to get a top-four defenseman because there's other guys on this team who, if he was gone, would be able to, I think, step up in that place. So, but that is yet to happen so far this season, so who knows. But I guess instead of just rambling on about the Flyers in weird spots, um, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly for the Flyers through, what is it, 13 games now? Uh yeah, thirteen games. So let's let's start with the good, Austin. Uh, what is your good thing for the Flyers so far this year? I gotta go with just,
1: and it's it's gonna sound totally hockey cliche, but they're finding sure. ways to win. I mean, the good teams, no matter what sport, they find ways to win. And yes, I know they've lost to Boston multiple times, and and if you're gonna do anything in the playoffs, that's you, you have to beat that team. But they aren't playing good hockey. Flat out, they are not playing good hockey. No. And like I said to start this segment, they've gotten points in five of their last six, and they've won four of their last six. So as ugly as they've looked, they're winning.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, they have looked bad in almost every game at one point or another. Uh, Maybe outside the first you – know, I think even the first game where they beat the Penguins, they looked bad. Uh, Yeah, they, they have not played good hockey. They have not played a complete 60-minute game, I think, yet this year. But, yeah, they keep finding ways to win, which I – you can't use law of averages to say, oh, they're going to – this means they're going to lose games later this year. No, no, it doesn't. Because here's the thing. If the Flyers are still playing this bad – You have a problem you're gonna have a problem anyway you're not gonna make if you make the playoffs you ain't winning crap anyway Um uh, no the, Fly, the flyers figure this all out they're going to win even more and they're gonna be able to play teams like the bruins better right now the bruins are just a flat out better team than the flyers and they probably were last year too but yeah, I 100% agree. The, the the best thing about this Flyers team is their final ways to win. Now, 18 points in 13 games when you have the most games played, you'd like to see more points there. That we'll see how that ends up, but you're still on track to be a th- the third best team in your division at the least and that's going to get you a playoff spot. May- just make the playoffs and anything could happen, especially when you have a goalie who has the talent of Carter Hart. Yeah,
1: and and I mean, it's it's just so frustrating. But I don't know, you know, like you said, bad. T- if this was a bad team and they continue playing like this, I mean, they're not going to, you know, AV will get in trouble, and then it'll be it, it would just become a dumpster fire. But with that being exactly. said, Dylan, what what is your good then? If if mine's their final ways to win, you know, how are they doing it? And um What's your good?
0: My good is that when they do shoot, they are scoring at an incredibly high rate. I mean, they are, I think we looked it up, they were dead last in the league in shots per game. They're only averaging, I think, 23 shots per game this year. But their shooting percentage this year is 14.9%. Five on five, it's twelve point nine, I believe. I mean, those are two incredible numbers that are they sustainable? No, just like the Flyers play overall, not sustainable. But you're not gonna see a major drop-off from that. No, and it's it, not like they're it's not like they're gonna go from fourteen point whatever I said to seven or eight or nine. It could have go from fourteen to eleven. Sure, but there's not going to be a a huge drop-off here. It'll it'll come back down a little bit to earth, but they're still going to be shooting at a high level the rest of the year. And the other thing, too, is I just don't see
1: them. I mean, like you said, they're averaging 23 shots per game. I don't see them averaging that for the rest of the entire season. It's just, no, you know, with like we just say with mine, they're finding ways to win, and that's with poor offense. I mean— once you start averaging more shots, you know you're going to sustain more offense, and it's going to help even more. And yeah, they're shooting like you said. Their shooting percentage might go down because they're averaging more shots, but I mean, at least you're being more consistent in the offensive zone, and uh, yeah, exactly. It means you're getting better chances, hopefully. So, with that being said, Dylan, what what is their bad?
0: Their bad is that they don't take enough shots. <laughs> plain and simple, right? I mean, it's plain and simple. Their expected goals for this year, which is uh, like, as Hockey Reference says it, uh, expected goals for given where shots come from for and against while this uh, player was on the ice that even strength. So this is, for, this is just for the team as a whole. Their expected goals for is 12.8 while the league average is 11. That is a pretty big... It's a whole goal. Yeah, almost whole two goals over the league average. That That's pretty notable. And I mean, if they... I'm not saying they shot the puck 30 times a game, they'd be averaging six yeah. goals right now. <laughs> but if they, if they were even getting t- two or three more shots on net per game... Maybe one, yeah. Over the course of... A couple of games that's going to result in probably an extra two to three goals, which is going to possibly change a game that could go into overtime into a victory. Yeah, and you're going to need that, you're going to need those one goal victories, even with late goals, uh, over the course of the season. If they hope to remain in a high seeding, yeah, and even when
1: you look like when you look at even Boston. I mean, think about it. If they had one more goal before, uh, unfortunately, before you blew that lead and took those dumb penalties, you have one more goal, game doesn't go to overtime. You know, I mean, yep. and they're probably, they look a little more convincing than than they have. I mean, I know they're averaging, I think it's about three, three and a half goals in the last five games, That you know, which I will take. I will gladly take three goals a game. Absolutely. Um, with that being said, though, the bad is that Carter Hart has been inconsistent. Sure. And I know the defense hasn't helped them that much, but I mean, when he has a goals against average in the last five games of 3.4 and a save percentage of 89.4%. And I know one of those games was that six goal, did just absolute destruction that they had, which... You can either throw that out and say it's an anomaly or what, but if the Flyers are going to win games, they are going to need more consistent play from Carter Hart.
0: They will. And Carter has not been great at times this year, but I do think that we are maybe a little over worrying about him. Uh, I do think a lot of the issues comes back to just the defensive struggles as a whole, especially on the penalty kill. And we tweeted this stat, so you may have seen this on Twitter if you follow us us at in the 700. But 5-on-5 save percentage for Carter Hart this year is 0.919%. Last year he was 0.921. I believe his first year in the league he was 0.916. So overall, he's about where he is for his career. Obviously only really a year and a half sample size there. But for his career, he's about on par. His penalty kill percentage, uh, or save percentage on the penalty kill, is seventy-two point five percent. He's given up eleven goals already on forty shot attempts. Last year, he only gave up nineteen goals against opposing power plays.
1: Yeah, and so, and sometimes you know the penalty kill does need just that one extra save. They just do. Yeah. Um. I know there have been. I like you said. I do, I do think that they are. We are as a fan base overreacting a little bit to his play. I mean, there was that streak about what a week and a half ago where people you know, 6 games in, were freaking out thinking Carter Hart's not the answer, and then he goes out and has a fantastic game and it goes quiet. Not not that's yep. the Carter we see, you know, we've been looking for, but nobody just says anything. And that's that's one that's Philadelphia, you know, Fan base, media as a whole, Um, but two. I I think it just it took a little bit for him to get going, and I think you're you're starting to see him come back into his own. There just have been like almost lapses sometimes.
0: Sure, and the other thing with it, I think there is to a point, obviously bad play, but also unluckiness. Because I mean, if you look at the Flyers scoring chances um, the percent of scoring chances they get they've had over the course of the season compared to their opponents they're eighth in the NHL at getting 59.5% of the scoring chances despite being outshot significantly almost every game additionally they they're getting 54.8% of the high danger scoring chances uh, this year, which, again, I this makes me come back to believe that this means that there are easy goals g- given up. But also, to a point, there has to be some bad luck makes in there. Uh, correct? Yeah, and, I mean, just a prime example,
1: Sunday. Ovechkin shot that spinning, like, Slap from the blue line. Yeah. Carter Hart covers everything, everything but the post, which every goalie, you know, that's where they want to cover. It hit the post, went off him, and went in. Could he have gone over a little farther? Yes. But if that puck gets shot not even a quarter inch to the right, even more, that doesn't go, you know, the trajectory is different and doesn't go that way. It's about 50-50 bad luck, you know,
0: and and positioning. Sure, absolutely. And the other reason I think we should be happy with what Hart has done well is by both Corsi and Fenwick, this Flyers team as a whole is dead last in puck possession and by both Metrics, which I mean, that when it comes to five on five, that means both Elliot and Hard are having to face more so more opportunities more so than the opposing goal is.
1: And, and that just leads into uh, my ugly. You know, the ugly for me, yes, Carter has been inconsistent, he's allowed 3.4 goals uh, in the last five games. But the Flyers' defense has been even worse. I mean, they, yeah. they've they constantly – Gustafson at one point got benched because he kept turning it over in our zone. We can't clear it out of our own zone. And, I mean, when I'm wa- – the games I'm watching, you know, they're allowing like 30 – I think it's 10 more shots a game, 33. And Carter Hart already has had multiple games where he's faced 40 shots. You know, a goalie is going to allow goals when they're allowing that many shots on net. And, yep. you know, I think that's kind of why we alluded a little bit to, do you send a guy like JVR, who's hot, out and go get a defenseman? Because, as like you said, this offense is scoring at a really high rate. I know he's part of it, but at the same time, if you can limit the amount of shots that go on net, even Instead of 33 shots a game, you cut it down to 30, 30 28. You're not, you're, you know, that, that goals against average most likely will go down. And like you said with the puck possession, your puck possession will increase and you're playing way more offense.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, they're allowing the third most shots in the league this year behind the Blackhawks and the Canucks, both teams who are, Blackhawks are right above five hundred, five, four, and four. Canucks are six and nine. The Flyers are the only team with a sizable winning record in the top seven of shots allowed. The next team with a good record is Washington at eight at six three and three. They've allowed three hundred and eighty-eight. 83 shots this year, the Flyers have allowed 432 Yikes,
1: yikes Like that's, and that's just it, you know They, I think they kind of panic in their end zone And then a team just four checks them I mean, look at the Islanders Why, why do the Islanders kill us? I know we beat them but, you know, this year, but why did the Islanders kill us? Because they four-checked the crap out of us, and then we turned it over, and then they would be in our zone again. So if we, if we yep. can just limit all that, you're going to have more p- puck possession, and it's going to be just an easier time. Um, but with that being said, Dylan, what, what would your ugly be for this team?
0: my ugly for this flyers team well you know i could go in like multiple multiple directions with this one um uh, i would since you took defense uh pretty much here uh i'm kind of gonna go off that to a uh to a point uh i feel like i'm almost Cheating here, but it's gonna honestly be their penalty kill, which is third third worst in the league right now at seventy point four five percent. I mean, their their play overall isn't sustainable, but playing winning hockey while only killing seventy percent of your power plays or penalty kills, I should say. Uh,
1: but what's the difference? Or like in in is, this penalty kill compared to last year? Sure. That's <sighs> the confusing part to me.
0: Yeah. It, I I think to a point, it's just lazy play uh, and not having Niskanen. Like, I think obviously Kevin Hayes was not
1: going to keep scoring, you know, uh, shorthanded goals like he did last yep. year. That yep. was unsustainable, but it's, And I do think part of it is Couturier as well. You know, he's a very good – he's very good at face-offs. He's a very good two-way guy. And I think that did hurt for the last week and a half or so. But, I mean, as a whole, even when he was there, I mean, we were struggling on the uh, penalty kill.
0: No, definitely. Um, I think getting uh, Couturier back is going to help quite a bit here. But it, it, it really makes you wonder why is it so much worse? Because, I mean, you'd think just losing Niskanen wouldn't be that big of a loss. But at this point, we're 13 games in. I think you have to consider how big a loss he truly is. And I, I just don't know what they could do to really improve it all that much. Uh, and I th- I do think part of it,
1: is you have Ghost. I mean, at this point, we have ghosting and Gustafson in. Yeah. So, right there are two offensive defensemen, and they're not going to help with the penalty kill. It's just, you know, their style of play doesn't help. But, like you said, um, I mean, I, I don't know what else you can do unless, we like we alluded again, you know, you trade JVR or a guy like Konechny or somebody and get a, a defenseman because at this point, you know, you're going to get killed in the in the playoffs.
0: No, I, I 100% agree. And they thin. I, I mean, they need Konechny to start just being better. I mean, I don't know why, but Flyers Twitter doesn't ever want to blame Travis Konechny for being bad. Because honestly, outside the first game of the season, he's been one of the worst players on the entire team. I don't. I haven't even really noticed him. And this and that's this, a bad. Yeah, thing. And this
1: is just like I, you know, the Islander series was. Remember, he they were saying, "Oh, he's he's upset." You know, he knows he played poorly, but I mean, he had that, like you said, the first game of the season. It was, "Oh, here I am," and
0: now he's gone. We're like, uh, I don't give a rat's ass how good of a trash talk he is. If he can't go out on the ice and perform, then. But Dylan, you need a guy like a Tom Wilson who can stir it up and
1: and you know it's fight.
0: Well, that's good. If Tom Wilson was on flyers, he'd be a top three player. Like Tom Wilson's a player that everybody hates when he's not on your team, but if you have him, you love him. We would love Tom Wilson if he was a flyer.
1: Well, connecting is a a
0: version of him, just not as good. Yeah, I, at the, I mean, at this point, I am kind of worried about connecting's future. What is he? Because if he's just going to be a streaky player, I don't think he's worth keeping around. I because there's at least twelve to fifteen other players in the NHL who give you traffic connecting numbers, and you could probably get some of them at cheaper
1: than what he's going to. At this point, what you're going to get twenty goals
0: from him, maybe. Unless he goes on a huge run, yeah. I mean, the dude has, let's see, five goals and three assists, eight points in 12 games. Three of those goals came in what? The season opener, right? Yeah. Over his last, Jesus Christ, over his last five games, Minus one, two penalty minutes and three shots over 106 ships. And you don't pay
1: him. You know, they didn't go through all that for him to take how many shots, Dylan? Three shots three. in five games. We don't, yeah, he's not getting paid to take three shots a game.
0: Oh, here's an even better one. Uh, so since the last six games, seven games, he has four shots or the course of the first. Five games the Flyers played this year, he had that's nine shots. Sorry, twelve shots. He had twelve shots over the first five games, and the last seven he has four. I mean, twelve and five isn't great. Granted, I, 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 and
1: granted, I, though, he did get benched for the one. He did. So he might. But have, this is why he, he got have, benched
0: because he's he's I would been playing say he shit might have hockey five for
1: little shots.
0: He's been playing bad hockey for two and a half weeks now. Yeah. I mean, TK needs to step it up. That entire TK Patrick Lindblom line needs to step it up. And no offense to uh, Lindblom. I love him. But, I mean, it seems like he's fully healthy now, right?
1: He said he's trying. He's not, like, back to where he was.
0: Uh, I mean, he and he can get normal, a little bit but L- Lindblom can get a little bit of a pass for another two weeks or so but I mean and I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I expect him to be the player that he was. Nobody does. Try. But he needs to be better than four points in 13 games and Nolan Patrick five points in 12 games. This is, this is the Nolan Patrick we saw in his first season not the Nolan Patrick we saw Turn it on towards the end of his second season. They need to break that I think that yeah. entire line. Yep. Because it's been ugly. I it all three players have potential to be 20 goal scorers, and all three players are doing absolutely nothing offensively. So break it up because obviously it's not working right. And the longer you go, though you're just gonna hurt yourself more.
1: I, I I can't you know I can't agree anymore. I just don't know how how you would break it up and all that. You know I mean
0: no we I we mean, haven't really we have- had a
1: fluid lineup, especially because Phil Myers is out now or whatever yeah. or whatever that was. Phil Myers or uh, Sanheim was uh, was out for uh, it was like a COVID precaution or something. But
0: yeah, I mean do- Scott Lawton has more shots than Travis connecting this year. And a hat-trick. And a hat-trick. Farabee is third on the team in shots. JVR second, and Kevin Hayes is first. I mean, one, I know we played JVR to come in and be a goal scorer, but unless this is truly what JVR is actually going to play as, I kind of don't like that he's the second most – the second –
1: Basically, care. shot taker on this yeah. team. Like, you're and expecting then, TK to be up there.
0: And then Provarov is fourth. <laughs> Not even Ghost or Eric or Gustafson, just Go- nope. Provorov. And what makes connecting even more frustrating, and then I guess we could start wrapping this up, is that when he does shoot this sh- year on his 16 shots, he's scoring at a 31.3% clip. He's scoring on a third of his goals this year. Is that, again, something that's not sustainable? But he's still probably going to score on 20-some percent of them. It's just... Tika needs to step up his game. Because if not, I mean... Damn, I would have traded him for Patrick Lane. So, what I'm getting, Dylan,
1: is the 40 year old version of yourself is coming out. And what does every 40 year old fire flyer fan shout during the game? Shoot. Exactly. Shoot the puck. to shoot it.
0: I think that's what we're getting at. Uh, that's exactly what we're getting. And, and I guess the last thing I want to say to wrap this up is I know just short, very short, uh, type of uh, game sample here, but what Faraby has shown this year is exactly why I would keep Faraby over Kinectni Patrick, maybe, I don't know about Patrick. Patrick, I still hope, can be something. But I would keep over Kinectni Limblom, Frost, and maybe Patrick. I mean,
1: Nolan's on that one-year deal, so if he doesn't pan out, he doesn't pan out. I, exactly. I don't...
0: I mean, if, if he doesn't do it, if he doesn't show anything towards this end of this year... Yeah. I, yeah, just and and that's of, Morgan Frost's spot, then. If you think... Yeah, exactly. I mean, I... Fairby, I think we're seeing... Is he going to be a, an 80-90 point guy? I don't know, but I, I truly think he's going to be a future captain of this team, and is going to be the face of the franchise sooner than later. I, I truly do. He's going to be a really good player for a long time. I I
1: agree. I mean, I, I just, from what you've seen so far this year, you know, I he's shown a lot of promise. He has shown he's not afraid to go into, you know, the boards and do the dirty work. Like he he's exactly what you're kind of looking for. And he's, he, he, he can snipe and he also gets the dirty goals too in front. So he's, he's yeah. kind of a whole package kind of, kind of guy.
0: No, exactly. I mean, and he can score. We've seen, he can score and we see that he can make the plays uh, by passing. And, uh, and talking about passing. I guess we'll wrap this up really here after this, but the one play that got me really pissed about TK was that pass, I think it was to oh, Hayes. Oh, he just threw it across. He yeah. just he threw it. If he makes a even slightly better pass, Hayes is going to get an easy goal right there. Well, if he just took his time.
1: Like, if he just took his yeah. time, settled it, it, but he literally just threw it. But,
0: yeah, I agree. Or, or just drive to <laughs> the net a little bit more and shoot the damn puck. Yep. But Here do are. something better than that pass. You know who would have made that pass? Patrick Alane would have made that pass. I don't know about that. Alane, Alane would have... Or he would have shot and probably scored. Maybe. All right. Maybe. Enough complaining about... That's what happens when you end on the ugly. That's true. Overall, though, on, I know the Twitter world of the Flyers' Twitter world hates the Flyers right now. I actually think they're... Going to be fine. Are they a, a cup contender? Not until they get another defenseman or two, but are they going to be a playoff team? Absolutely. They're going to be fine. Uh, as long as we have Carter Hart, they're always going to be a contender for the playoffs and they're always going to be a, a team that can compete for a cup. Um, so I, I have no worries. Yeah, I like to see them win the cup this year. But if they don't win the cup in a shortened season, uh, that had no training camps, COVID year, weird schedule, all that, I'm not going to be torn to pieces. No, and we spoke about that earlier. You know,
1: uh, this year about how the Flyers kind of they're in the same spot they were last year. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: temper your expectation, please.
0: Absolutely, and with that. Let's end it there. I I really enjoy this episode. I, th- I hope our listeners enjoy this episode. Check us out on Twitter at In the Seven Hundred. You can find our personal Twitters on there as well. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Um, leave a rating if you can. Um, share it with your friends. Do all that fun stuff for us so we can help grow our audience. And we'll be back next week. I'd be talking than that. about well earlier than that. Of course. Yeah, well, traded. yeah. We'll be back as soon as Carson gets traded. Uh and then next week our regularly scheduled uh podcast, I believe hopefully we're gonna be able to get on um Tim Kelly from Phillies Nation to come on the podcast, talk some Phillies uh baseball. We uh we did get to the point of he has uh graciously agreed to come on and talk Phillies. Hopefully the schedules just line up to do so. Uh but until we come back to talk about Wentz, or if nothing happens the f- next week, uh, have a great one, everybody. Enjoy all the Philadelphia sports return this week. Uh, well, not really returning, but all the games this week. I believe the Sixers play on. Both teams play on Tuesday night, correct?
1: Um. Uh, do the flyer the Flyers game? I just saw they one of their games just
0: got moved but i'm not exactly well, sure 76ers play the kings tomorrow at 10 p.m west coast trip here and let me look at the flyers real quick here see what we got flyers games on thursday and saturday and philly against dells have been postponed because of covid protocol delos had 16 players on the covid protocol this sunday which is worth noting. The Flyers have placed Travis uh, Sanheim on the COVID protocol list. Uh, they actually had to wake up on Sunday at six thirty to take rapid tests uh, before the game. So, uh, yeah, Fly- uh, Sixers play Tuesday night against the Kings, and they also play Portland on Thursday night, Phoenix on Saturday, and we'll. Get the Flyers' schedule here real quick. With those two games against New Jersey postponed, the Flyers will now not play until. Well, they they do play tomorrow. Sorry, they play tomorrow, and then they won't play till Saturday, uh, Sunday. So they play tomorrow against Washington again, and then they are uh, home again. Sorry, on the road against the Rangers on Sunday, uh, but. We'll probably be back before then. So everybody have a great one. Have a great week. Uh, Enjoy the continuous snowstorms we seem to be getting. And yeah, stay safe. Stay safe.